Welcome to the preaching podcast of Life Point Church. We're so glad you've joined us here. If you're ever in the Baton Rouge area, please stop by. We'd love to meet you. For more information on our church or Pastor Donovan, please visit our website at golifepoint.com. Thought I love my church. Hence, you see what we did there? See the dots and the heart, right? Clever. We got a good team. Thank you, Elizabeth. I love my church. I love my church. And I'd like to introduce this series um, like this. If you'll let it, the church will have a powerful and positive effect. You can keep playing again. Thank you. The church will have a powerful and positive effect on you and your family. This, this cross-bearing Christian walk into which we've been called is not us just making Jesus the Lord of our lives being water baptized in his name, filled with his spirit, and then just living in isolation. Saved people are to not forsake the assembling of themselves together. Saved people are together in large groups and small groups, house to house as a whole. Saved people are to get involved in the life of the church. Saved people are to make church a priority, a habit that is passed down generationally, and becomes part of the fabric of the family and the fabric of our lives. I love the way Philip Yancey put it in his book, Why Bother? He says, quote, Christianity is not purely intellectually internal faith. It can only be lived out in community. That's by gathering together, big and small groups. If you go all in on church, I promise you this, I guarantee it. You'll never be the same. As a matter of fact, if you'll go all in on church, your life will change forever and you'll be propelled into the destiny that God has for you. Now in Matthew 16, 16, Jesus said, Upon this rock I will build my church. So it's His church. Theologically, we look at the big picture and we're like, the church belongs to Jesus. But I'm telling you, LifePoint Church, this is His church. But He called me here. It's where I belong. It's where I'm involved. It's where I contribute my time, talent, and treasure. I'm vested here. I'm a stakeholder. I have skin in the game here. And while LifePoint is his church, as one who's involved in the life of this church, I have every right to call it my church. And that's true for everyone in this room today. And I want to tell you something. I love my church. I love my church. You love your church? Stand with me right now. I want to talk about... Some of this, I want to look to the book of Luke, chapter 8. We're going to start with verse 43. Luke 8, 43. Now a woman having a flow of blood for 12 years who had spent all her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any came from behind and touched the border of his garment and immediately her flow of blood stopped. And Jesus said, Who touched me? When all denied it, Peter and those with him said, Master, the multitudes throng and press you, and you say, Who touched me? But Jesus said, No, you don't understand. Somebody touched me. It's different. For I perceived power going out from me. Everybody say power. 
Now when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him. She declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said to her, Daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. And I want to preach the message. I love my church. And we'll get to this passage in a few minutes. Let's say a prayer. Father, thank you so much for your faithfulness and your goodness. I pray that you would anoint me to speak, anoint us to hear, challenge us today in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. God bless you. You may be seated. It is great to have uh, Nolan and uh, Jason somewhere right here. Yeah, they're from St. Louis. They go to school with Alexander. We're glad that you're in the house. And uh, we just got back from Because of the Times, which is a uh, a pretty big deal, big ministers meeting in Alexandria, about 3,000 in attendance and hundreds of preachers, kids. And Elizabeth spoke to the PKs and knocked it out of the park. It was awesome. And we were so proud of Lizzie for doing that, right? Four major passages in your Bible, Romans 12, 5, 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 27, Ephesians 3, 6 and 5, 23, Colossians 1, 18 and 1, 24. Make it clear that the church is the body of Christ. Jesus is the head and we are the body. Jesus said he's building the church. He said that in Matthew 16. And as the builder of the church, he's designed and engineered it to precise specifications. He's provided the skilled labor, rolled up his sleeves and gone to work. To build it, he put his mud boots on, right? To, to get the footings in place, to lay the foundation, to frame it, to, to wire it, put in the insulation, plumb it, floor it, put the appliances in, the door, uh, ray, the roof, you know, all the stuff that builders do. He did it all. And Jesus is also said to be, in Acts 20, the one who purchased the church with his own blood. So as a purchaser... He spent all that he had. You could put it this way. He bankrupted heaven to bring us life. Jesus told a story about the the guy who saw the pearl of great price, the treasure in the field. So he bought the whole field just to get the treasure. Jesus bought the field. Now, he didn't buy this land or this building, but I tell you what he did buy, the people in this room. He has redeemed us from the hand of the enemy. And at life point, We've seen this through the years, from Gabe Johnson to Greg Phillips, from Randy Bradley to Drew Robin on the front row here. Jesus has purchased the church. He's the purchaser of people, the people of the church. Luke said that the Lord also, in Acts 2, he said he added to the church daily, such as were being saved. In other words, it was and is, this church, an ongoing process a work in progress, and God has added to life point from the very beginning until this time, continues to do so. And I want you to know there are more. There are more. Rons and Russells and, and, and Marions and, 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 and Marios and, and Sherry's and Chances. There are more and more people out there. This is an ongoing project. And I'll tell you what I'm believing God for. And you call me crazy if you want. But I'm believing for a tithe in attendance of the population of Prairieville proper. That's 30,000. So a tithe is 3,000. I'm believing we could have a church of 3,000. God can make it happen. 
And listen, when we get to there, there's even more after that. Come on now. Believe in God for more. <clears throat> and I want to tell you something. This is, this is reality. The devil hates the church. Hates the church. Again, theological concept, easy to talk about. The devil hates the church. The devil hates Life Point Church right here in Prairieville, Louisiana. Hates it. And do you know why? Because it is in the church. It's in this church that the Lord has chosen to deposit and display His might and power. That means right here, right now, Prairieville, Louisiana, Life Point Church, in you and in me, is housed the might and power of Almighty God that carries with it the capability to turn the world upside down. Just turn it upside down. So the devil tries to distract us, discourage us, tries to get us to downplay what Jesus has done in our lives, the reality and the power that's in this room. But the Lord has sent me to remind you this day that it's the same as it's ever been when it comes to the people of God. And you shall receive power, he said, after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses of me in Judea, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. As far as the church goes, there is enough power in this room to make us witnesses to our community, in our family, on the job, and fill us with power and the ability to see the world turned upside down. Listen to this. Paul wrote to Life Point in Ephesus. You know they were all called Life Point Church. Yeah. The church in Ephesus, you know, their, their team got together and said, what can we call it? Let's call it Life Point. That's a cool name. So in the Greek, they came up, you know, it was like uh, Zoe Pointe, right? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Paul wrote to Life Point Church in Ephesus. Zoe uh, Pointe uh, Ecclesia. And he wanted to remind them of the power that was flowing through that church. L- listen to this, Ephesians 1, 15 through 23. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. Notice, there were things they were missing. They, they didn't realize. He said, I'm praying for you that you would begin to realize that you may know what is the hope of His calling. What are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of His power Toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come and put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body. (laughs) Listen to that. The church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. In other words, folks, you may think you are living down here. The truth is he has made you to live up here. 
The devil wants you to think that you're under his foot, that he's got you under his foot. The truth is, you've got the devil under your foot. You just need to realize, and I'm praying that everybody in this room gets a revelation of just how powerful you are in Jesus Christ. Come on, give him praise right now. Hallelujah. I want to drive this home. I don't like to read a lot, but let me read this to you because this is so incredible. (coughs) Rick Renner points this out. The word exceeding in the Greek, it is hooperbalo. It's a compound word, uh, hooperbalo. The word hooper describes something that is above and beyond anything else. The word balo means to throw or to hurl. However, when these words are used in conjunction with each other, they depict an archer who overshoots his goal. He puts so much energy into pulling back on the bow and releasing the arrow that he overshoots, he overreaches, he surpasses, and eclipses his goal. The word greatness in this passage is the Greek word megathos, a form of mega, meaning great. However, as megathos, this word would better be translated vast. This means that the power Paul is describing is boundless, immense, limitless, measureless, vast. One could say that it is so mighty that it simply is beyond the human ability to measure. The word power is from the well-known Greek word dunamis. We get the word dynamite from that or dynamo, which describes power or ability. But very often in classical Greek and in the Old Testament Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Old Testament, the word dunamis was also used to depict the assembled forces of an army whose combined strength enabled them to achieve unrivaled victories. These troops were so strong they simply could not be resisted. Listen to this. They couldn't be resisted. But in addition, we find in classical Greek and in the Septuagint, that the word dunamis can also describe the power that is inherent in certain aspects of nature, like the power of a hurricane or the power of an earthquake. It is so powerful and so mighty that it is impossible to resist or impossible to defeat. Like when Katrina came up, you couldn't fly enough airplanes and blow up enough bombs in there to stop it. When an earthquake blast in the heart of the ocean or on the west coast somewhere in the ring of fire somewhere there's nothing man can do to stop it so when Paul used these three words to describe the power of God that works in the church hooper, balo, megathos, dunamis he was piling image on top of image to show how overshooting And irresistible is the power that works in us who believe. This is so powerful. There is no force in hell or on earth or above the earth that can stop the church when it begins to march and follow the orders of the head, the Lord Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul went on to say that the same mighty power which was which he, God, wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. This is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Paul was making it emphatically clear that no power has ever equaled or rivaled the power that was required for the resurrection of Jesus. It was the greatest manifestation of power the universe has ever witnessed. It literally seized Jesus from death's grip, raised him back into his body, 
and then lifted him through demonic principalities, powers, and might, and dominion until he was seated at his throne at the right hand of the Father. No power in hell, no principality, no power in the heavens or on earth was able to resist this demonstration of divine energy. No wonder Paul said to the church at Corinth, do you not understand you are the temple of the Holy Spirit? When you just get the Holy Ghost, when God fills you with this Spirit, it's not just so you can check off a box. It is the power of God, the anointing of God that Jesus the Christ walked in. There's power in you. Say there's power in me. Ephesians 3.20, Paul said, Now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. John said, Greater is he that is within us than he that is in the world. When a believer walks in the authority and power that Jesus has invested in them, the devil cannot stop them. The devil cannot stop the impact that believer, those believers, the church will have on a lost and dying world. The devil's schemes are revealed. The devil's works are destroyed. The devil's strongholds are pulled down. Come on, somebody. There's power in this church. Theologically, we understand that in life point, there's power in this church to turn the world upside down. You believe it? Here's what I'm trying to tell you. When people come in contact with the body of Christ in 2019, it should be as powerful as when people came in contact with the body of Christ in A.D. 33 or 34 or 35 or 36 in that first church, that vintage church. And they were powerful folks. Look with me to Acts chapter 3. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer. This is that first church early on. And a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they lay daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful. Valerie and I have been there, saw that, that gate. To ask alms of those who entered the temple. And this guy looked at Peter and John about to go in and, and, and asked for alms. And Peter fixed his eyes on him, stared him down. I love that. Didn't back down, stared him down with John. And he said, look at us. Look at us. And he said, we don't have any cash, you know. All, all we got, all we got is some cards, right? We just got our plastic today. Don't have any cash. Sorry, you don't have some, you don't have a swiper, do you? No, I don't have a swiper. Listen, we don't have any cash. Can't help you with that right now. But I tell you what, I do have. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he grabbed him. Listen, before he was ever healed, grabbed him by the hand and yanked on, pulled him up. And as he came up, his legs got strong and he went running. Listen, he didn't have to learn how to walk. He'd been lame his whole life. He didn't have to learn how to walk. He didn't have to get in some kind of walker situation. He took off running through the temple and blew everybody's mind. That's the kind of power that functioned in the church. People say, well, that was Peter and John, man. They were special. You think so? Later, he's going to explain what happened. He said, don't think it was because of who we are, our holiness, our office, our personal walk with God, that it was, it was 
the name of Jesus. We're just believers in the name above every name. And in the name of Jesus, we commanded him to rise up and walk. It was the power that was in the church. Same powers in this church. Come on. Woo. Look at Acts chapter 5. I'm talking about the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe. Acts 5, 12 through 16. And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. Now, let me just go ahead and address this right here. A lot of times people say, well, that was the apostles. Again, that was the apostles. That was the 12. They're special. They're, they're one, and they are special. The 12 have a special place in redemption's plan. But later when Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, in, in 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14, he talked about the gifts of the Spirit. Gifts of the Spirit, including gifts of healings, working of miracles, these, these powerful gifts. And he didn't say, oh, I'm sorry, church at Corinth. This is only for, if there happens to be any of the 12 in the area, this is a special section carved out for them. No, he was talking about the gifts flowing through the church, the church, because it was the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believed. The power was in the church. Not, not the, just the apostles. The power was in the church. So he, he didn't distinguish and say this is only for a, an elite few. The gifts were flowing through the church. Now the, the, the apostles were blazing the trail. That's what it means to be in a, They were blazing the trail and going where no man had gone before. But there were others following them in the same type of signs and wonders. Acts chapter 5 and through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. Yet none of the rest dared join them, but the people esteemed them highly, and believers were increased. listen, I love this, increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. I believe we're going to see more and more of that here at LifePoint. So that they brought the sick out in the streets and laid them on beds and couches, and at, at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. A multitude gathered from the surrounding cities to Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all healed. I believe this context here is, is saying that if somebody either, look, there, I've got a shadow. There's a shadow right there. If somebody could get Either in the shadow, you know, the scripture for shadow, he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High will abide under the shadow of the Most High. They were were looking for the, if I can get close enough to the shadow of that man of God, maybe the shadow falling on me or I'm within reach, you know, like I'm that close. Either way, the power of God flowed And people who were sick and demon-possessed were healed as a result of that proximity to the church, exceeding greatness of His power towards us who believe. He's able to do exceeding abundantly above all we can ask or think according to the power that works in us. In Acts 19, 11, and 12, Now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs... You know, Paul wore a do-rag, I'm convinced, right? So Paul, I know how to do a do-rag, you know what I mean? He, uh, he, he had 
I didn't do this in the first service. I don't know why. But he had a do-rag on just to keep the sweat out. This is Apostle Paul. I'm Apostle Paul right now. And he's saying, bring me another one in the name of Jesus. Bring me another one in the name of Jesus. Bring me another one in the name of Jesus. He's praying for the sick, and God's healing them all. And there were so many. They said, hey, just we want some of that, man. Get, get, give us your do-rag. We'll just take your do-rag. And so this was really a slap in the face of Diana, a local deity that was worshipped in Ephesus. And they took that do-rag off his head. And they, he was wearing an apron too. I guess he was cooking as well. And they took his apron and they took his do-rag. And they began to touch people with it. And you know what happened? The power of God began to flow. I want to tell you something. The church was that powerful. And it's still that powerful today. I am convinced we live way down here. God's lifting it aside much further. He's trying to get us to realize who we are in Christ Jesus. We're much more powerful than you realize and that tradition has tried to teach us. And there's been so much janky dinosaurs from the past trying to convince us that no, miracles don't happen today. And so we get lazy and we don't pursue them. God's trying to get us to realize that this is a new day. Yes, same old power though. As bad as this world is, the church is going to shine brighter and brighter and brighter. Come on, give it praise. I love my church. It's where the power of God is. But I'll take it a step further. When people come in contact with the body of Christ in 2019, I believe it should be as powerful as when people came in contact with the body of Christ in A.D. 30, 31, 32. When Jesus was going about his earthly ministry, John G. Lake put it this way, the Holy Spirit in the Christian is just as powerful as the Holy Spirit in the Christ. Now here's the deal, that he had the Spirit without measure, the Scripture says that, we, that the implication is we have the Spirit with measure. That's why it's important that we get together. Because you've got Spirit, I've got Spirit There's giftings and anointings on us and in us and flowing through us. And if we'll just get together, I don't care if if you and I clash, if I'm allergic to you, if you're my brother in Christ, if we'll just get together on that, powerful things take place. What I don't bring to the table with my giftings and anointings, you bring to the table. And, And I'm telling you, it's so important that we get together and unify so that when uh. When Greg comes in contact with Milton at a CC's coffee house and, and Greg has drawn a line in the sand and told the Lord, that's your side, this is my side. And for 20 years, he dared the Lord, don't you step across to my side. I'm not stepping across to your side. I'm done with you. He, 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 he had been burned. Church had done him wrong, and he's not crossing the line. But the Holy Spirit begins to move on Milton, and Milton sees Greg and says, I don't know why I'm doing this. But I feel like God sent me to tell you something. He's got more for you, son. And the next thing you know, last week, Greg's over here in the baptistry. God's reigniting a fire in him and setting him on fire. There's power in the church of the living God. Powerful, man. It's powerful. Powerful. Greg said, I'm not coming to your side. But the Lord said, it don't matter. I'm going to disobey you. I'm going to come over to your side. Aren't you glad that the Lord will trespass on your territory and say, Hello. 
And you're like, no, 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 no. I don't believe. I don't believe. And he's like, you're going to believe? I'm dropping word on you. And you're like, I resist. I resist. But faith's coming the whole time because faith comes by hearing the word. You're fighting it, but faith's coming the whole time. And he gets a hold of you. I love that. That's why. That's why Russell could walk into a freezing cold, freezing, freezing cold Easter Sunday morning service out here at the fairgrounds. And, and, and it was ridiculously cold. And, and he, he didn't say, uh, wow, it's cold. And man, those musicians can't even play. And the reason why is because our fingers were frozen in one position, right? You know what I mean? We, couldn't, we, we really couldn't play. He didn't say, man, that's terrible. No, what happened was the power that was flowing in the church out there at the fairgrounds, you hear what I'm saying, out at the fairgrounds, not in a cathedral, not in this building, not in some high church situation, at the fairgrounds on an Easter Sunday morning in the freezing, flipping, freezing cold, The power of God was flowing through the church and Russell said, I'll never be the same. Something's connected and revitalizing my walk with God and set him on fire. That's why in our living room over on Manshack Place many years ago, 2006, Russell was in 2007. In 2006, we've got Gabe Johnson, our first member, and Devin Zariah. They walk in. They're high, man. They're all messed up. But they were the saints that God was calling us to, to reach. And so... They walk in the door, and we start playing the guitars and singing some songs. And before it was over, Devin Zariah, who was a 17-year-old heroin addict in Los Angeles, California, or San Diego, had just come over, was trying to clean up. He was a little older, a couple years older at that time. He gets in our living room, and the power of God in a living room. You hear what I'm saying? Not a sanctuary, not a, not a cathedral, in a living room over here in, in Prairieville. Drops to his knees and starts speaking in tongues. Woo, shout out, as the power of God moved on him. Why? Because the power was flowing through the church. Through the church. It's the way it's supposed to be. It's proximity. When, when, when we're walking, when, when we're walking in faith, in our covenant rights as a member of the body of Christ, and, and, and we come in contact with hungry people, people with needs who are open, it's inevitable there will be a divine exchange. The power will flow. Back to our story. Jesus was minding his own business. I mean, he was about his father's business, but he's going to heal this girl and, and, and a, a woman got in close proximity to him. Now, in, in his humanity, he didn't even know who it was. Like, like, he functioned as a man in a covenant. He laid aside his Godhead powers. He's walking as a man in covenant, walking in obedience, anointed by the Spirit. And, and he is going to, to heal uh, the ruler of the synagogue's daughter. And, and this woman gets close to him. Tradition says her name was Veronica. She had been bleeding for 12 years. I always like to break it down. That's 144 months, 624 weeks, 4,383 days, 105,192 hours, 6,311,520 minutes. I mean, 12 days of sickness is a nightmare. 12 weeks would be exponentially worse. 12 months would wipe us out. 12 years, unthinkable. Physically, she's wiped out, anemic, weak. Emotionally, all alone. 
No physical contact with her family or anybody else. Spiritually empty, kicked out of the synagogue, financially bankrupt. She had spent everything she had on doctors and only grew worse. But then she heard about Jesus. He had healed others. That was the story. And she's like, well, if it worked for some of them, maybe it'll work for me. That Jesus was a rabbi. He was wearing a shawl. He was wearing this garment. Traditionally, this is, this is the way they did it. And uh, he's wearing this. When they pray, they, the guys will put it on their head like this and rock. And, but he may have had it around his shoulders. He may have had it, I don't know. He's, he's walking. He's got one of these shawls on. So what happens is she, uh, she struggles through the crowd. And, and she, she's just trying to get to him. And she reaches out her hand. And, and she doesn't get to Jesus. She does not touch Jesus. She really doesn't even grab his garment, like his clothes. She grabs a thread. This is a zitzit, is what this is called. It's the hem of his garment. She gets this zitzit. This, this is all she can grab a hold of. Now, she had been saying over and over to herself, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, if I can just touch the hem of his garment. If I, she set up this point of contact like this, I'll release my faith. If I can just touch that, then his power will flow. She had set that up. She had established that in her own mind. And so she's determined. And she's pushing through the crowd. And she's pushing through the Nobody wants her around. She just pushes on anyway. And she finally grabs a hold of the zizi. And when she does, dunamas, that overwhelming power like she had a bleeding problem but there was enough power to to fix a bunch of healing a a bunch of bleeding uh, more than just her case overwhelming force the power of God just flew flowed out of Jesus and into her all the normal remedies of the day had failed but when she came in contact listen with the body of Christ not even really directly with the body of Christ but indirectly All those natural sources of healing and wholeness had failed, but she got a hold of a supernatural source called the body of Christ. And everything changed for her. Can I tell you, if you're tired, if you're hurting, if you're weary, if you're broken, if you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, you're in the right place because the greater one is in the church is in this house, is in this body. The power has been deposited and invested in the church. And he is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we can ask or think according to the power that works in the church. Many have tried religion and it's failed. Prescriptions and they got hooked. And relationships one after another and it was just a a dead end. It's only gotten worse. What I'm saying is there is hope in this house. And I'll tell you why. Because Jesus is in this house. The anointing that breaks the, the, the yoke, removes the burden and destroys the yoke is in this house. And there are people who are reaching out in desperation like a swan call, like like their swan song, their their last cry for help. And and I, we had better walk filled up, y'all, tanked up, full of the Holy Ghost, praying and fasting, walking in the Word, walking in faith, hope, and love, because I'm telling you, it's possible for them just to get around us and something begins to awaken on the inside of them. Just the proximity... You are more powerful than you realize. Stand with me. I'm closing. I've got to to hurry with this. I I remember when I was a kid, 
I was a kid. I was on fire for God, but I was dumb as dirt, ignorant, didn't know the word like I should. And I remember coming in contact with intellectuals and artists and, and professors and different ones, and they would pick my brain. They were interested in my beliefs, and they, they would pry, and, and I would try to give them the answers as best I could. I didn't understand it at the time. I'll tell you what was happening. There was a stirring. I was part of the body of Christ, and they wanted to know what in the world what is, what is different about you? We're too afraid to be different, y'all. We want to be like every other Christian in the world and just kind of walk and do our lives, stay in our lane. I'm going to stay in my lane. You stay in your lane. We're just going to stay in our lane, right? We don't want to touch anybody, change anybody. And the whole time, it's counterintuitive. It's against what the Word says. You shall be my witnesses. You're going to stir it up wherever you go. You might as well embrace it. Walk in it. Turn the world upside down. In about a month, we're launching our free indeed initiative to begin the process of paying off our debt which is not much relatively speaking we owe about $400,000 on our properties and, and uh, it's a manageable debt the debt's not overwhelming us and we have tremendous equity here And so when I first got this vision it caught me by surprise it wasn't what I expected my plan was like, let's buy all this land over here let's buy AIM you know what I'm saying like let's, let's buy airline highway let's Let's, let's get an extra lane out here. Let's, you know, let's, let's just, I had just, I'm like, we're just going to do all this stuff. And the Lord's like, first things first, here's what you're going to do. You're going to eliminate your debt. And I uh, pitched it to the staff, board, team, whatever, church. And uh, since that time, I've, I've been challenged. I've had some of my friends saying, man, you guys have so much momentum. you got a weak and tiny vision. <laughs> you know, your vision's small. you got tiny vision. You need to get a huge vision. You need to buy the land next door and buy AIM and buy Airline Highway and like spend millions of dollars and that's what you need to do. And I questioned myself and I went to prayer about it. God, are you sure? What am I doing? And the Lord said, first things first, I haven't shown you beyond this step, but you got to take this step, Donovan, to get to the next step. And it was no accident that the day after I pitched it to the church, we're going to get out of debt. I got a phone call from somebody out of the blue and uh, they called uh, Anthony and Phyllis. They're on the uh, Phil, Anthony's on the board, and they called them. And they said, "Hey, we want to buy your church." So Anthony comes, and they're like, "Hey, we got this weird phone call. These people want to buy the church. We just pitched a vision to pay off the debt. These people said we want to buy the whole all your property." And I said, uh, "That's so weird." So I called them. I said, "Listen, I, we don't want to sell. Like we're happy. As a matter of fact, the only reason I'm calling you is because of the timing of this." I said, here's the deal. The only way I'd sell is if you gave me a lot of money, <laughs> right? Well, they had other land, too. They're like, what if we made a deal or traded or something like that? They owned a bunch of land. And they had a, a, a reason they wanted this particular property. I said, we'll never do anything that puts us back, only that moves us forward. You come to me with something that pushes us forward, we're open. We don't have a cemetery on this plot. Like, we hadn't been here for generations, you know what I mean? Like, we're not emotionally connected. We, we're happy where we are. We love the exposure, but you make me a better deal. Bottom line is this. People challenged me, and, and I went to prayer, and I just realized, no, this is what we're going to do. We're going to get out of debt. We're going to pay. We're going to pay for every dollar that you give to the capital campaign. It's going to take off a, a lot more than that. I don't have the card in front of me, in front of me but it, it's going to make a difference. Was it because of the times? 
And I pledged $1,000 from this church to a missions offering that was taken over 600000 really in the whole conference over $800,000 was given towards missions and we gave a thousand of that and in the olden days I used to just drain all the general fund like give all the money bankrupt the church and my CPA finally got on to me and said don't do that that's a bad idea I'd get convicted you know like ah, we gotta give and uh, he said go ahead and give but bring the need to the church the church will give so that's what I do we need to fulfill our thousand dollar pledge that yours truly made gift of that I know you will you do we give to missions anyway but it's a special above and beyond but as I made that pledge I felt like the Lord spoke to me and said one of the reasons I want you to eliminate debt Donovan is to free you up to be the ridiculous giver that I've called you to be and I'm like that's I can sink my teeth into that we've never been about buildings y'all we've always been about people not after to win a contest for the biggest church building the coolest church building we're after winning more and more people we count people because people count we count people because the more people we get the less people hell's got amen I mean how would you like to give you know five thousand ten thousand dollars a month in missions giving not just on building maintenance but just giving to the work of God around the world and it's giving Sacrificial giving always precedes supernatural flow of the Holy Spirit. I love my church. I love my church. And I believe that as we give and fast and pray and submit ourselves to God, we're going to see the lost found, the sick healed, the devil cast out, the addicted set free. I love my church. We're unique. We're different. God set us up, positioned us, I think, for such a time as this. Right place, right time, right people. And God's adding more every single day. In our diversity as we unify around the cause of Christ, the power, it's going to flow. It's here. But it's going to flow. Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you for the sincerity of the people in this room. Thank you for challenging us to awaken to what you've really done on the inside of us. It's more than enough. We are difference makers, game changers. Our destiny is to turn the world upside down. We're cut out of that cloth. Our people are people who don't turn back, but who turn things around. Turn the world upside down. That's who we come from. Our Christ and our fellow Christians from that early church. That's who we are. That's what we do. Here's what I want us to do in closing. I want us to all come around the front right now. And I want you to make it a prayer. I mean, rush, get up close to the front. And I want you to pray that God would open your eyes to get a fresh revelation of what He wants to do through you. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you were blessed. For more information on our church, Pastor Donovan, or service times, please visit our website at golifepoint.com.